with remote viewing, like bilocated into planetary bodies that have been completely hollow and have looked like there is land that goes in a circle. Around. There was a report that there have been mountains found on the core of the Earth that are 100,000 or 150,000 feet high. With like Shambhala, like that's something that we find when we remote view this. There's something that a lot of people report on that they're the guardians of the gate when you first enter into it. As soon as you get into that time space, that time space is going faster. When you come back to the human world, four generations passed and you are only there a week. There are so many stories in Chinese culture of this. Every single thing, event that we come across in life, whether it's very positive or very negative for us, is the same, has the same beginning and same ending as in a dream. Scientists, different people, way too quick to point at people and be like they're hallucinating and they're not in their right mind. Right. When you and I both know that if you're seeing it, it exists in a dimensional space somewhere. Man dug a well during the Tang Dynasty in China, but the digging never ended. For two years, he dug down more than 1,000 feet before he came upon something startling, another civilization. Was Heimdall from Thor just one of many protectors or guardians of realms unknown to surface men? Can humans visit heavenly kingdoms with the right circumstances? Stories of time mysteries, time slips, and real-time travelers may not be just stories. Join me, Rob Counts, for investigative research on an amazing historic tale. Join remote viewer John Vivanco to hear his data on inner earth beings and tune in for a metaphysical show that's out of this world. And if you're listening to the Metaphysical Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere, just go ahead and leave us that five-star rating and review. It's going to help us reach more people. And make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, Twitter, and Facebook so you don't miss a thing. John, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Yeah. Well, More uh, China. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. We, we ended the last uh, episode where we asked this question, you know, is it possible to ascend by delving into the earth? Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to be able to help answer that, that question in this episode. We found some, some accounts. I had to ask some of my friends who are Taiwanese and speak fluent Chinese to look into Chinese culture to help me find evidence that in the distant past, men dug into the ground and or entered into cave systems and found something that they did not expect. And I found a couple of gems. And what's really interesting about these accounts is that we're talking about these accounts being a part of the emperor of the times accounts, like the historical accounts that they were they were taking and making sure that they were writing down. And this first one is all the way back in the Tang Dynasty. Okay, so you want to talk about the datings, dating system, how long ago things happened and whatnot. Man, every calendar is going to be different from culture to culture. And then there's also the idea that potentially emperors and whatnot changed time. In other words, like, well, it's... it's uh, Three, actually 300 AD, but let's move it to 1000 AD because we're supposed to have a big celebration at that time. And I want it to be under my reign. So I've heard of this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Actually, in, in going even further than that in the, in the crazy, I did not expect to talk about this, but I was looking at some evidence or some some theories, I should say. J.R.R. Tolkien was recounting stuff in the old books that he was finding in the Oxford library. He was not 
telling a new story. He was retelling old stories. And that Sauron actually was supposed to represent bad guy in the past named Sargon. Sargon the Great, right? (laughs) And Sargon the Great and Sauron were supposed to represent Saturn. And Saturn, as we know, is Kronos. And what this guy Sargon did or Sauron or whatever did that was so evil is he created time. And I don't know what that means exactly, but basically what they're saying is that people weren't aware of time before this character in history. That's and that it was crazy. the creation of time that actually set forth human beings thinking about their demise and all of this stuff that created the wars and all of this stuff that's leading up today. Now, do I think that's true? I don't know. But I thought the idea of time and people not having time and then almost having to face mortality in a new way was a really interesting concept that is that's really existential. Right. You know, like that, that, that I feel like we've been, it feels like an old story that we would take out of a book and be like, you know what? That makes sense. Right. Why human beings struggle the way that we do and and all of this stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm just like, still have that J.R. Tolkien picture in my head. I think he, he looks like he's dressed like a hobbit a little bit. Dude, he was the OG Hobbit. He was the original Hobbit. That whole thing with time is something that we're going to have to go into because I want to understand it deeper if if, if true. You know, because you have like these old calendars, um, the Yugas, for instance, the Hindu, uh, Brahmin, uh, Indian calendars that talk about long cycles of time. Seeing as how time is is really a relative concept and relative to culture and who's in power. (laughs) I mean, our history books are rewritten in towards what social engineering wants to take place. Of course, time is going to be manipulated as well from that aspect. And if there is some truly cyclical thing that happens in the universe based off of different types of energy impulses, they would be on a different, more true time clock potentially pattern than our own human like meanderings through it you know something to like actually explore i think it's so weird and synchronistic that we're talking about time right now because in every single one of the cases i'm about to tell you and yeah like why don't i why don't i tell you this yeah, yeah. story from the tang dynasty and i'd love to get your feedback on this okay so this is in the first year of emperor shen long of the tang dynasty there is a man named Yin Yin Ke in Jushan County of Fangzhou, whose family was very rich. He hired someone to dig a well at the back of his homestead. And after two years of digging and digging down more than a thousand feet, there was still no water, but he persisted in digging down. He dug a well for two years and dug down more than 1000 feet, but there was still no water, but he persisted in digging downward. After a month or so of digging, the workers suddenly heard dogs and chickens barking, John, and birds chirping underground. (laughs) So after digging a few more feet, a hole appeared in the wall of the well, and the workers drilled in through the hole to explore. Okay, now this is a translation, so I'm going to kind of try to recount this for you a little bit. It's not perfect, okay? They take some steps in a few a few dozen steps in. They didn't really see anything. They're just kind of touching down the stone wall side to side to go forward. 
they soon they there's a turn and they see what looks like the light of the sun and the moon, probably at the end of this tunnel or whatever the thing that they're in. So down below the hole, it's connected to a mountain peak. The workers from the hole, they go down the mountain, they stood up straight to see, and actually they came to what they described as another world of heaven and earth with the sun and the moon. Did they go through a portal? Are they actually in the earth and this is inner earth? Up to you to judge, right? You know, what's fascinating actually is that some of the data that I've seen and other remote viewers have gotten when they remote view and they get Shambhala, um, they get aspects of it. You can kind of like track this stuff uh, across sessions, even though viewers won't necessarily say that. And we never take it seriously if they do say it, like use that high level terminology for something like, like Shambhala. Um, we do see when people have the, those attributes of that specific land in data, they talk about this sort of sun in that world and a moon in that world. But we don't see it in other ones. Like we don't see it like in the previous episode that we did with the um, Wang Hu and disappearing for five years. The, and mighty, Katan the mighty Katan We don't see it there. We don't see it with that. But we see it when we get to the Shambhala side. And that would be dimensional. There was a report that there have been mountains found on the core of the earth that are 100,000 or 150,000 feet high. That, that's insane. Like, I, I want to, can, can we visualize this? I want to visualize this. 150,000 feet high. This is five times bigger, five times bigger than Everest, if that's true. That would mean that there's space between, that they found space between. Well, right? we're talking about scientists explaining this to us. Maybe they're talking about, well, this is like one large batholith type structure that rises this hall high, but it's all like with other material around it. Right? Exactly. I see. Or, okay. but, but in my mind, that's still, we don't know. You and I. No, don't I'm going full on inner Earth, man. I'm, I'm going, going full on inner Earth. Full on, full, yeah, right. With an atmosphere and the mountain. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So I mean, look. Got... You know, look. Here's here's the craziest thing. I've seen it with remote viewing, like bilocated into uh, planetary bodies that have been completely hollow and have looked like there is land that goes in a circle. Like I bilocated into some of these planetary bodies that I've seen that, like literally seen that. And there's sort of like you can walk around because of the way the gravity is in these planets. So if there's any kind of inner earth I want, it's that inner earth yeah. with the sun in the middle and the happy, nice fields <laughs> and days and snowy cap mountains. With the dinosaurs. mighty Katan hanging out with and... <laughs> giving you all their wisdom and maybe right. a couple of wizards involved just because, yeah. you know, got to have a few of those. There's the fantasy world I live in. <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> right. He starts, I guess you could say, descending down this mountain. Um, the rocks on the mountain were all turquoise and glazed in color. And in each valley, there was a place of gold and silver. There were also big trees on the mountains with trunks like bamboo with joints and leaves like banana leaves, with purple flowers as big as plates. Many colorful butterflies with wings as big as fans, you know, like the Chinese fans, flew among the flowers. 
and colorful birds as big as cranes flew among the tree troughs. In each canyon, there was a spring as clear as a mirror and a white spring with water as white as milk. Okay, this is where it starts to get crazier. The workers, now the guys that are traveling down this mountain together, gradually came down to a place and they wanted to go and find out what this place was. Walking to the front of this palace, they looked up and saw a plaque on which there were written four silver characters, Tiangui Mountain Palace. I don't know what that means in Chinese, but Tian means heaven. I know that. Heaven something Mountain Palace. Okay, at that moment, two men immediately came out from the doors at the palace gate looking very frightened. These two men were more than five feet tall and looked like children with, I more guess, than like five feet tall. More so than five feet would tall. That be, would that be very large compared to? In the to... Tang Dynasty, I imagine Chinese folks yeah. were over five feet. Like, you know, okay. just like you'd think of people over in Europe, probably around five and a half feet with the nutrition and all of that stuff. And uh, this is really strange and that I'm sure that this has something to do with the with the translation, but they had sideburns described that looked like almost like green silk. I don't know why that that's that's Ah, beautiful. Ah, Green silk (laughs) sideburns. So beautiful. beautiful. (laughs) It reminds me of my mother's green silk. And they had golden crowns on their head but they were barefoot totally barefoot now this sounds a lot like the statues of guards in the asian culture where they're actually barefoot in these they're they're like these law guardians these deities you know they've got usually these scary expressions on their face and a big sword you know they're barefoot a lot of times. They don't have like big boots on. Like These are just guardians. They're probably flying around killing demons. I don't know. They asked the laborer, why have you come here? The worker told them the story of his arrival. And before he finished, dozens of people came out of the palace gate saying that there was a cloudy odor here and that they were going to blame the gatekeeper. Are you ready for a thrilling journey into the unknown? Lukita Somnia is the must-listen science fiction podcast that will take you on a heart-pumping journey through the shadowy world of government experiments and conspiracy theories. Follow Kendra and Michael, two daring teenagers with telekinetic powers, in a race against the clock to uncover the truth. Set in 1991, Lukita Somnia is a podcast experience you won't want to miss. Go to luciddreamspodcast.com for the ride of a lifetime. That's luciddreamspodcast.com. So whatever they brought with them from above, from that dimension, my understanding is followed them down and it probably produced a putrid odor in that dimension. Gases, maybe. Who knows? Um, The two gatekeepers said fearfully, an outside worker accidentally broke in here and was asking about the situation. So I didn't report it. A little while later, a man in red came to deliver an order to the gatekeepers to send the workers back politely 
and the workers hurriedly thanked them. I think they were nervous. They were feeling nervous, the, the guys. No, this is the gatekeeper. He says, since you've come here, why don't you ask for a tour before you go back? I guess trying to be polite, right? So the worker said, uh, the laborer, he said, I didn't dare uh, just now. If you can give me a little more time here, I beg you to ask for a tour for me. Basically, the gist of it. The doorkeeper then passed a jade tablet into the gate of the palace, and soon the tablet came out. The gatekeeper took the jade and led the worker to a clear spring where he washed himself and his clothes, I guess to get the foul odor, odor off, and led him to a white spring where he rinsed his mouth. Okay. When the worker was rinsing his mouth, he felt that the white spring water tasted like milk and was very sweet. So he took several sips of it with his hands and felt as if he were drunk and his stomach was full. John, you're here. You're with the laborers. You're seeing this like new world. You come to this spring. I mean, we're talking about the Tang Dynasty here, 900. It's probably not abnormal to drink out of a spring. You come to this white spring. Do you drink out of it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, knowing that you've gone into a likely gone into a heavenly or higher dimensional realm. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't hesitate. It's like mana from heaven. Yeah, it's like the end spring in uh, in Lord of the Rings, where they they the right. hobbits drink it and they like grow in stature from drinking. Here's what's kind of interesting, like commenting as you read this, like and and, and relationship to other data here. So, in looking at some of these things, for instance, looking at um, the Catan people and what happened to Wang Hu, one of the things that actually shows up in the data on that, which is sort of a weird aberrant point is there's the smell of like garbage. There's the smell of, of garbage and you're getting that putrid smell, right? And the story's got the putrid smell in it, like wafting down, right? And that stuff's picked up in some of the data that we have as coming across, um, which I find really, really interesting. We also, the other thing that shows up is that there are two, two beings that are guarding the gate to it. That shows up in the story, that shows up in data as well, where we have these two beings that guard the gate. And but this is something that we find with like Shambhala. Like that's something that we find when we remote view this. There's something that a lot of people report on that they're the guardians of the gate when you first enter into it. This is a really interesting one. So he leads him down the mountain, he comes to a palace and he wasn't allowed to enter, but he could he could stay at the door. After walking for for about a half a day, he came to the foot of a mountain and saw a capital city. All the palaces and towers were built with gold and silver or beautiful jade. And on the towers were inscribed in jade characters with three big words, Tie Xian Guo. The workers asked the gatekeeper uh, what was the matter with this. Okay, it's actually, here's a translation, the terraced immortal kingdom. So I guess that translation for Tashian Guo was Terrorist Immortal Kingdom. The gatekeeper said, anyone who has just become an immortal will be sent to this Terrorist Immortal Kingdom where he will continue to cultivate for 700,000 days before ascending to the heavenly realm or to the Jade Palace. The Jade Palace is a big thing in, in Chinese culture. The Jade Emperor resides in the Jade Palace, so the saying goes, or to Penglai, 
the island of immortality off the eastern coast of the world. So the saying goes. I know that this is kind of getting like a lot of these different places he's describing where these people might go to, but he's right. kind of delving into this Kunlun um, mountain area. And, and it's all of this stuff that he's talking about are immortals or where immortals are said to reside. Right. Which right. Is right. Like fascinating because the immortal culture also in, in Chinese culture is something that mm, people in the West do not understand. Right. Right. It's like that there's this like element of cultivation where you can you can actually be you can defy the laws of physics here if your mind, body and spirit reach a certain level, I guess. you Right. Could say. Right. I mean, and this is something we see in remote viewing data when it comes to the underground civilizations. And I think that there's more than one. I think that there's more than one that deal with the immortal side, because even in the the previous one that we looked at with Wang Hu getting disappearing for five years, <clears throat> these beings were immortal. These beings were immortal as well. When we get into the whole Shambhala and we start remote viewing down that path, again, we get the immortal beings and we get humans that transcend, that can transcend into that realm and become an immortal being. I mean, this is like the data that we have on it. These aren't fanciful stories following specific spiritual practices that, and, and these are akin to heaven right? The heavenly realms, right? They're, they're higher dimensional spaces and they're constructed in such a way as to represent like what's familiar to you culturally, right? Who knows what they look like just as an energetic place, but at base, it's just like an energetic place. When, when the Chinese experience this, it's going to be put together with their cultural influences and the way they look, the Japanese, the Buddhists, all the same thing. They're going to do it. Now the Westerners don't have this, so they have heaven. And so the heavenly realm would be the same thing. It's just that different, looks different, even though it's not different, but it's the same place. After kind of describing all of these kind of realms with these immortals and stuff and the realm that they were currently in, the worker kind of, he kind of asks uh, the, the guard, this tour guide, he says, since this is the immortal kingdom, how come it is below? our world. Oh, interesting. Right. And because the you know, doorman, he's thinking, oh, we're going into hell. Yeah. And the door, the doorman said, we are in the upper immortal kingdom in the lower world above your country. There is another immortal kingdom like ours, which is also called the terrorist immortal kingdom. And it is exactly the same as this one. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's things above and things below according right. to this account. And this is right. a true story from the Tang Dynasty. Like this is an account that was put in their books in the Tang Dynasty. Wow, that's that's fascinating. That's crazy. So to make a long story short, he he the doorman eventually has to see him out, right? He has to he has to get him out of there. He doesn't belong in this place, right? He let him drink a few more sips from this white water spring before he goes mm -hmm. back. Um so the laborer he he goes back up, he reaches the top of the mountain and he in where the place, the exact place that he came from. And the, the worker looks at him because he's confused. And he says, although you have not been here for a long time, many decades have passed and you should you will not be able to go back through the cave that you came in from. I will send you back after I ask for the key to the heavenly pass. Wow. So time dilation, the, the doorkeeper 
Okay, so a short while while later, he comes back. He, he returned with the golden seal and, and a jade tablet, led the worker up another road to a large door with a tall tower next to it and several people waiting on the ground in front of the door. The doorkeeper showed the golden seal and read the order written on the jade tablet and the door opened automatically. As soon as he entered the door, the worker felt his body flying up like a cloud and he could not see anything for a while. He could only hear the doorkeeper saying behind him, wish you a safe journey. So the, when the worker came out of the cave, he was 30 he was in a mountain 30 miles north of Fangzhou. Hmm. And he came out of the cave, went to inquire about the Yin Yin Ke family. And the people told him that three or four generations had passed. No one knew like what he had told them about the drilling uh, for the well, for the Yin Yin family. So the workers went to the palace or to, excuse me, to the place where the well was drilled and found a big pit which had collapsed a long time ago. It was already a different emperor's reign. It was Emperor De Jong's reign. The workers searched for their families, but they did not know where they had gone. From then on, the workers did not want to stay in the human world any longer, so they did not eat or drink and traveled around in the clouds. I <laughs> don't know what that means. <laughs> Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. I kind of want to know what that means. Though. I kind of want to know what that means too, man. That is like in, that's a really intense story. Like, I mean, imagine yeah. you're reading Herodotus, like an old historical yeah. account from Herodotus. And this story is in there. Like this is oh, what right. they had in their book, dude. Right. Exactly. It is. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, there's time dilation. It, it happens like um, dense, Material will cause time dilations in the earth and, and going into space causes a time dilation. So, so, so if you can get into an area where there's extreme, where there's a portal, yeah, you're going to have time dilation. Absolutely. For sure. It's like, what are the, what are the hallmarks of making it either long or short though? Like what makes it that way? I think that, okay, let's say it is a portal. Like you just said they enter into a completely different physical time space because they're in another dimension entirely. That dimension's time space is different than the time space here. It has a different, like it's faster. As soon as you get into that time space, that time space is going faster. When you come back to the human world, more generations passed and you are only there a week. There are so many stories in Chinese culture of this. Time dilation and portals. Okay, when you when you there's like this 
theory, this thought that the ancients used locations in the earth where they're and knew of these time dilations in order to escape cataclysms. You can escape through a portal, come back at a later time where you totally missed the cataclysm. And, and these guys are just doing it because like they dug a well. Oh man, it's 240 years later now. I wish there would have been a cataclysm that I went through. Instead, I like missed my family and they thought I was dead for, you know, I mean, yeah. wow. I did the math while you were talking. If a generation is 20 years, which I think it is, it was probably more around like 80 years. 80 years? Okay. What's, what, are you talking like generation was 20 years? A generation is about 20 years. Like if you think okay. about it, like the millennial generation to right. the or Gen X to millennial. Got it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I saw, oh, I see that type of generation. Yeah. I, I see. All right. I was thinking, I was thinking it had to do with a human lifespan. Yeah. And so you guys, we have a ton of episodes on time mysteries and real time travelers. And if you want to hear more about time dilation, highly recommended going into this. In this episode that you're looking at right here, we actually talk about John Titer, which was a really, really interesting dive into that whole thing, that whole, I guess, fiasco that happened at the, at the turn of the century with John Titer and, and John Connor and all of it. It was great. <laughs> John Connor. What I think is really strange is that there is another um, there's another sort of account that I'm going to bring up here that's like just connected to Chinese culture, which is that in some parts in Chinese culture, if you spend a half a day in a cave, 12 years will pass in the human world. Hmm. So I'm not sure if you knew this, but maybe it is as a result of this special cultural, like religious or spiritual elements of Chinese culture. They have Taoism and Buddhism over there. And in Taoism, now for those of you at home that don't understand what Taoism is, there is a book that came out called the Tao Te Ching, which kind of outlines the, I guess you could say the, the premise, it's much deeper than that, but the premise of Taoism Taoism also, like there are some martial arts, for instance, that are connected to Taoism. If you want to understand Taoism, honestly, the best way to understand Taoism is to watch the movie Star Wars because yeah. the spiritual aspect with a skill at the same time married as one thing is sort of, I guess you could say, a simple way to understand Taoism, where now you've got a lot of these people that are martial artists who all they do is practice this martial arts. And at, uh, you know, at some high level, they're, they're also cultivating themselves. They're letting go of things. They're not necessarily using that martial art for evil, but it becomes an art that transcends everything and brings them to a higher plane of existence. Right. Now, in China, the cultural aspects of that relate to people leaving society sometimes. Whereas like, you know, in the West, you might leave society and go into a monastery. In Buddhism, you might you might go into a monastery. In China, in Taoism, you may find a master who wants to pass something down to you and you will totally leave society and go into a cave and cultivate in this cave with a master, right? This is where like the the Shifu kind of culture comes from in China where they're talking about, you know, a martial arts master that they're calling Shifu. This master disciple kind of relationship is a much more defined, different thing than we think of in the West. There are a lot of people that know about this because 
they've involved in, in, in Eastern culture and stuff. But this idea that I just told you about where if you spend a half a day in a cave, 12 years pass in the human world, well, who was in that cave or was that cave a portal now? And, and how long was the half day? Was it really a half day in that dimension? It sounds like you spent a half day in that dimension and you come out and it's like, right. Uh, many years have passed. Right. Right. I think these things are probably more prevalent than we know. I think they're more prevalent than we know. We're, we're like finding evidence of that. I know, man. I know. I know. I, you know, there's, there's, we run across this a lot in remote viewing, a lot, a lot, a lot, where time dilations are occurring underground. Time dilations, mineral frequencies, they're all like all part of the same bag. You know, you get these strings and trying to follow these strings to turn them into some kind of unifying theory. I mean, it's probably a mistake, but you know, I'm always trying to get these things to go into some unifying theory, but it's like, it's just out of grasp. It's like always out of grasp. Or it's just, it's just a small part of the structure of our universe. And we're exploring right. that. Yeah. You know, it, it, like, how could you ever wrap your head around the entire structure of the universe? Right. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you'll just always be learning. And then you have these beings that know how to utilize these, these and you and use them. And, and what was it? The Anzu bird stole the book of destiny or the Mies. And before the Anzu bird stole it, Enlil had been the keeper of them. And Enlil said, these are the book, the books of De the book of destiny, which tells the destiny of everything and everyone. And for a mortal or not necessarily a mortal person that can't handle it, to hold these books and look at them, they would go insane because there's too much. Because it, it all has to do with time and timelines and, and all destinies of everything. And so the Anzu bird stole it and started to go mad. And because he had ultimate power and ultimate knowledge of everything, but he couldn't handle the knowledge. And so he went insane. And so this kind of reminds me of like the Mothman. Like the Mothman, and when we've remote viewed the Mothman is so like, going through all these timelines, trying to chase something down that, that it, it, it's, it's literally gone insane and doesn't know where it is at any moment in time. Sometimes it seems to ca catch a grip on its reality, whatever that is, but then it quickly loses it. And so you think about these, like these portals and time dilations and, 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 and where they go and what they do. And you wonder how much of that, and these beings that come through them, how much of that any one being can potentially take? There are energetic things that must happen to you. I mean, right. unless your body is just merging into a different dimension and it's this like calm, beautiful process. Right. I imagine if you're like using technology to do that, like who knows what effect that's going to have on your body, like a human body going through that, that isn't set up for that with no suit on right. and you're hit, getting hit with radio you know, radioactive bursts every single time you do something like you're going to come out with like a chicken head and one yeah, of those. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Like what's you're going to come out. There's going to be like six arms growing out of your back. Right. And, you know, like what? Right. As human beings, especially it's like, look, we can we can probably use like 10 percent of our brain, 20 percent of our brain. It's not even open. You know, like we're we're what happened? What if what if it's true? What if the Taoists were right? What if 
what if you, as you're cultivating up to this level, your mind is opening up with it and you're able to bear the weight of that knowledge as you right. get to those levels right. and it naturally flows in. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like, that's like the whole idea too, behind some forms of schizophrenia that, that at least like Artie Lang and, and these older sort of progressive uh, psychiatrists and psychologists thought that perhaps some forms of mental illness are because you realize too much too soon before another aspect of you was ready to realize it. It made you crack, made you go insane. Well, and right. I, I also think that like not all forms, like some are like there's something broken, right? But I also think like sometimes scientists, different people, way too quick to point at people and be like they're hallucinating and they're not in their right mind. Right. When you and I both know that if you're seeing it, it exists in a dimensional space right. somewhere. Exactly. It's like that doesn't mean it's here and that you should pay attention to it, whatever. I'm just saying it's like on it, some yeah. level it exists. If it's not this, if I can't make that sound, if I can't see it and put a measuring device on it, then it doesn't exist. But I hear those noises in dreams when I interact with those objects. Only you do? Yeah. No. Well, then it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, that's how it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that. It's just sometimes I'll be in a dream. I seldomly dream, but sometimes I'll be in a dream and I'll look around and I'll be like, am I in a dream? And I'll pick something up and I'll knock on it to see if I'm in the dream. And it's like, I hear the sound and I'm like, I don't know. Like, am I, am I not? Like, I still am confused about it, but I kind of think I am. And then I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I was in a dream. When you're dreaming, you're absolutely 100% convinced that it's real. Yeah. Like, and it's the most outlandish thing, right? The most outlandish thing is 100%. You're freaking out in the dream. Then you wake up and you go, thank God that wasn't real. Yeah. But it's like, what happens in life? Every single thing, event that we come across in life, whether it's very positive or very negative for us, is the same, has the same beginning and same ending as in a dream, where it ends and it always goes away, it always ends. Like everything that we feel is negative in our life will always pass. Every horrible situation will always pass. Just like the horrible things in a dream. There's no difference to me between the waking world and the dreaming world. Because all of this, this stuff comes up from nothing, then goes back to nothing. Just like the dream comes from nothing, it goes back to nothing. I'm just going on a tangent. No, this is, this is the stuff this show is made of, man. <laughs> It's seriously, yeah. it's like, like, if you think about it, it's like that what you were just saying, like all of that pain, you know, people get stuck in that pain and then it might lead to something like schizophrenia. Right. Or right, right. You can, if you can actually process it and allow yourself to go through that and understand this is going to end. Hey, maybe I'm burning off some karma or something. Right. You may come out the other side, just like that dream where you're like, oh, I'm glad that's over. And right. then you, you know, you can move on. Was it even real? It's like it never even existed. Just like a dream. If you guys are still listening to us right now, this is the Metaphysical Podcast, and we're really glad you guys are, are here with us. This has been a really interesting episode, and we haven't even finished all of our stories on China. We're going to go ahead and, uh, and, and end this podcast here. 
And uh, man, do we have more evidence of of the inner earth and other dimensions, I guess you could say immortal worlds in China. So if you're digging this series, please definitely leave us some comments below. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know your thoughts. What do you guys think is going on? This is a conversation with all of you. And uh, John, thanks so much for being with us here today. And for all of you at home, we hope you thought this podcast was as out of this world as we did. <laughs>